Okay, in this episode, I have the privilege to interview Brady Bell, CEO and founder of Pure Spectrum CBD. We cover a broad spectrum of topics, everything from the misperception of hemp and cannabinoids, uh, say that three times fast, uh, the various testing protocols that Brady puts Pure Spectrum and his organization through, not only for the level of integrity for himself personally, as well as the company, but also to ensure the confidence and quality to those he partners with. He focuses on elite athletes and organizations such as the UFC and USA Weightlifting, as well as USA Triathlon. So those are critical organizations that have high standards of testing to ensure that things like THC don't show up. And so uh, he operates with a level of integrity. He has some underlying critical missions in his view. One is bring back the million dollar farmer. He is a boy from Kansas and grew up around the farming and wants to ensure that hemp becomes the next bumper crop to create that new generation of million dollar farmers, as well as the fact that um, there are a spectrum of other opportunities and use cases that hemp can be used for, specifically plastics. It's a mission for him to eradicate plastics. As we all know, that's probably one of the top pollutants on the planet. And if we can start to hedge against that, that would do wonders. So take a listen. Tons of great resource information. Please remember to like, follow, and share this information. Um, I'm a former athlete and definitely understood the the benefits of cannabis you know in general uh one thing that really resonated with me is you know any professional athlete whatever uh body you're governed by whether it's usada wada um or, or any other testing agencies they use they viewed marijuana like steroids right it was a performance enhancing drug uh based on recovery um abilities and so I knew that there was an avenue for cannabis to have an effect within sports. But obviously, you know, when I started this journey in 2011, um, you know, it was majorly frowned upon in sports as well as society. Um, you know, and so, so trying to get a movement with uh, quote unquote marijuana into the sporting realm, there was just so many hurdles and so many roadblocks. So right. in, in 2014, I had an opportunity to become mom and dad of my daughter. Um, have 100% full custody and part of uh, the agreement uh, that I had with Kansas where I'm originally from is that I completely get out of the marijuana side and when I got out of the marijuana side um, I, I had a dispensary had had my grow had all that um, but I wanted to pivot into hemp but I really didn't understand the minor cannabinoids at all you know I knew what CBD was I knew there was a thing called CBC and CBN and, and at that time I think uh, there was a total of what we believed to be 14 cannabinoids um, in 2013, 2014. Okay. So I spent a full full year almost um, at University of Colorado working with the region emeritus, uh, Dr. Robert Sievers and Dr. Monica Fleschner. Um, they both now have their Schedule 1 testing license. And during the time that I was spending with them, um, they were in process of getting their Schedule 1 license, but they had built a separate lab um, on the campus of University of Colorado, but it wasn't the one um, that was like their main one. Um, this was a private uh, lab. And what I did with them is they really started 
helping me understand the benefits of CBD um, from, from a scientific approach. Cause again, I, I couldn't even say, uh, cannabidiol at that time, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and Dr. Robert Sievers thought it was people were just throwing things in a bottle and, and, and hoping it worked, you know, the tastes were horrible. Right. Uh, so they really worked with me from a formulation stance and given me a why of, of, of what to do with the products. And then also given me, uh, kind of a, a full clarity on how to approach sports organizations and athletes of what this can do without them flunking tests. Um, yeah. So that was, my, that was my initial purpose um, in the trajectory that we've been on. Um, you know, why everybody was out there claiming that we have the best product or the best company and pounding their chest every which way possible. I wanted to find out the best testing protocols. Uh, so what really put myself and Pure Spectrum in, in the position that we are today is, you know, we took pride in figuring out how to remove the THC without disrupting uh, you know, these other cannabinoids, because everybody believes in that quote unquote entourage effect um, and ensuring every single time uh, that we finished our formulation, there was no THC and what was on our label was on our label um, and really writing that story and owning that story and having the farm to table transparency is, you know, really put us in a position where we are today. And, you know, we're an exclusive partner with Team USA um, we're actual partner with, with USA triathlon, USA weightlifting. Uh, and we, we are CrossFit, but I don't know if you've seen the things in the news of Greg Glassman. Yeah. Uh, we don't, we don't know what we're going to do, um, this year, uh, with CrossFit. Uh, but outside of that, you know, we're not just a sports, um, entity, you know, we have almost 2000 active men and women in uniform, uh, that range from literally CIA, DEA, all the way to military, um, and, and, and the reason that is, is because they understand that you know, they're not going to flunk a drug test. They're able to see the benefits from the cannabis plant, hemp plant, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's all cannabis to me um, with, with, without putting their, their, their lives and their, their jobs in jeopardy. So in a nutshell, that's kind of who we are and what we do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you hit on a lot of unique elements that, you know, coming from a sales background myself or in business development, you know, it's always hard to sell any kind of product, let alone with something with um, kind of misrepresented quality and Absolutely. things of that nature. So it's, it's really a testament to what y'all are doing. One, bringing the quality science behind it, but also being able to collaborate and partner with some prominent organizations like that. I mean, Team USA, like you said, is you can't get any higher than that, really, the national organization. Yeah. And, and, and the thing that we the other thing that we do is, you know, we, we source the same genetic uh, so we have the same genus, the same, the phenotype, um, and, and we don't alter that. So what I wanted is have, I always call it the Snickers model is in our industry, everybody is, you know, they're sourcing from this farm, from that farm, from this broker, and they're looking for the highest quality material at the lowest price. Um, we all know that algorithm doesn't exist. You know, you can't go on a car lot and say, oh, I want that Bentley, but I want to spend five grand. Right. Um, it doesn't work. And, and everybody else plays that new strain name game. Oh, what's the next new cool strain that's out there? Well, when you're doing that, you're having quality control issues from the way it tastes, the terpene profiles, the cannabinoid profiles. It didn't, you know, some people are like, well, it didn't do the same thing to me this time as last time. Or uh, this one made me feel high because it had a lot of terpenes. Well, we were like, okay, let's eliminate that, that variable. Um, we did that in 2016 and found a, a, a farm where we only, we deal with, the, again, the same phenotype, the same genus, the same species that has two phenotypes, um, but it's the same thing every single time. 
and and so those were the our testing protocols and how we sourced and our seed stability program. Um, you know that that's what got us in the door with these major sports organizations because at the end of the day, everybody tells the same story. You know, until you actually go out and and, and form a differentiator, um, you, you're basically telling the same story as everybody else. And so what we did is now we have the attention of these organizations and we've had hundreds and hundreds of tests through USADA. Um, and, and, and those individuals, a lot of our UFC fighters, they'll actually, they'll, they'll take the product leading up to the fight that day. And the USADA and WADA guidelines are, you cannot have THC in your system six hours before, six hours after. And, you know, you know, I, I used to fight before I found out what as tough as I thought it was that, that, you know, that lead up and anxiety sucks. You know, you're, you're throwing yeah. up, you're wanting to run out the back door. Yeah. The pregame jitters, right? Yeah, it's crazy. And they're able, you know, it helps them not have that. Um, and so uh, Jeff Nowitzki, um, who is, he's got a busted Lance Armstrong um, in that doping scandal. Um, he is now the liaison um, with the UFC and USADA. So he went from uh, being one of the key agents at USADA, uh, now works for the UFC. And he, he, he reached out to us. He's like, look, we've been having several people flunk uh, for THC using other CBD products. And we know that they don't they don't smoke THC or, or, or cannabis. So right. it, it didn't hit the headlines. They knew it was from a tainted, a tainted supplement. And they're like, we have never seen anybody from pure spectrum ever flunk. So can you help us understand what you're doing from a testing protocol, what you're doing from a sourcing protocol, because we want to make this, you know, available to all of our athletes and other athletes, you know, within the, the USADA and the WADA guidelines. And so what that gave us again is a key differentiator on time. So until, until another company can go out there and have hundreds of tests that prove um, where it's the proof in the pudding and not just me saying, oh, you won't flunk a drug test. You know, it's just words versus an actual written story. And so uh, Jeff Nowitzki is the one that really helped help us open the doors uh, with CrossFit, uh, which opened the doors with USA Triathlon by showing, hey, what they say is true because we've never, we've never had any issues with them. And then our yeah. product was in the UFC Performance Institute for about two years. Uh, and then Aurora Cannabis came in and did a really big deal with the UFC, um, with the uh, CTE research. And the UFC asked us if we wanted to meet the proposal and they'd give it to us. But I mean, you're talking like 7 million bucks and, and scientists and all these walks of life. That's really not my niche. Um, so we had to, you know, humbly step down from that. It was a project that, that I definitely didn't want to bite off and, and, and attempt to chew. Um, so we still have that relationship with a lot of fighters, but, um, yeah. Aurora cannabis now has their product in the performance Institute, not ours. Well, I mean, you speak to the, the quality and the testing and the importance of it and really the, the details of, of understanding, like there's so many people out there as a novice looking at it, investigating for the last year and even talking to friends. It's like, how do you discern which is quality? Because it's so new to so many people. It's not fully regulated uh, yet. Um, So it's kind of like, okay, how do I know if I'm taking, you know, snake oil or is it high quality stuff or is it, you know, is it going to have that, I'll call it leakage of the THC that if I work in the government or any kind of job that has testing, am I going to lose it due to, you know, an accident, right? And yep. which I credit, you know, UFC for not throwing the book at these guys because other sports have done that where people Absolutely. test positive on something and then they're shut down for weeks, no pay, and 
you know, everyone's got their own different ways of doing things, but nonetheless. Yeah. And that's, that's what like really, you know, when I first went to that trajectory, you know, first of all, I have a major responsibility of my daughter, you know, like if something, if I ever screwed up and, and I put TAC out there or or didn't do my due diligence and and my quality control, had a leakage, you know, that could affect my daughter and she didn't have anybody else but me. So I already had that responsibility day in and day out of, I have to do shit right. Um, Because when I started this in 2014, 2015, it, it was still frowned upon. A lot of people still thought it was illegal. Right. And so once we started making headway within these within the athletic round, you know, we started with the NFL. Um, the NFL was my first breakthrough. We, uh, we worked with the Denver Broncos uh, alumni. We worked for the, it used to be the San Diego Chargers, LA Chargers. Uh, we worked with them and we were really making headway. But during that time, that's when a lot of the kneeling uh, during the national anthem was going on. And there was a lot of political um, apprehension <laughs> within the NFL. And yeah. so we were at the right place, but at the wrong time. But when we started talking uh, to some of these former athletes, you know, some of them Hall of Famers, you know, they're like, you have a major responsibility on your shoulders. And they're like, you know, if, you know, you say there's no THC, but if one of these guys get hit with THC, you know, in the NFL, you might be suspended a game or two. But in the UFC, that's an entire year. You know, so if you oh, wow. if you get if you get banned for an entire year because it's viewed as steroids, so if you get even today still viewed as steroids, uh, so if, if you're have THC in that window and they don't get a fight for a year, as you know, a lot of those guys never are never the same. They never come back the same. Their yeah. octagon rust is a real thing, and you just lose that that edge. And so it's like we have such a big responsibility, you know, from a from a just a. a a pure efficacy and, 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 and upholding your fiduciary responsibility to anybody taking your product. But now you're dealing with the brand, you're dealing with these organizations. And um, that's what led us to saying, okay, we're never going to say we're the best. We're never going to say, you know, pound our chest. We're going to make sure that our SOPs are impeccable and it takes the guessing game out. And, you know, I think we've done pretty well with that. Yeah. It, it certainly sounds like it. And I mean, it, I think it's helpful and I appreciate it from an integral standpoint of just kind of leading that way and you have your own personal story and can set people's minds at ease that, you know, you're putting yourself in their shoes or you are in their shoes really. So it, it, it impacts you personally as well as corporately. Um, so you, you had one interesting thing I was looking at <clears throat> as I was doing research for this is um, you mentioned a little bit as the growing piece and you come from Kansas and there seems to be like a bit of a story there with um American farming and uh, you may be pulling that thread for a minute. Yeah. So, you know, my grandfather, a very successful man. Um, I I grew up in a town called Ulysses, Kansas. And so Ulysses, Kansas um, moved and God, I can't remember in the forties, fifties. He was maybe 19 years old, 20 years old. Well, they moved the town seven miles, right? So they moved to this new town there was no, um, uh, what are you going to call it? They, they didn't have everything sectioned out, you know, from farming. So my grandfather literally went to the bank, did a handshake deal. He owned all the land in Grant County. Uh, and he sectioned it out, uh, be, became a farmer. Um, and, you know, I grew up riding in the combine on, on the ice cooler. And, you know, obviously you don't really, you don't understand your learning things. You don't, you don't, you know, as a kid, I didn't know shit about a farm. I could talk it. I, mean, I could tell you what wheat, corn, milo, soybeans, and, and probably the pricing index and all these things because I was just listening to my grandpa. But 
you know, there was many million dollar farmers during that time. And then, you know, he retired at 39 uh, when the GMO uh, came in. So I think that was in the, the early 80s, mid 80s, um, when, when GMO started to become prevalent. He, what, he didn't agree with it. Um, and so he completely sold all, basically everything he had and uh, got out of farming. And so during that time, you know, I would say from the early 90s, probably, um, you know, 94, 95, leading up to, you know, where we are today, you know, a lot of farmers, it wasn't a, wasn't a profitable profession because it was so controlled. Right. Um, and, and, and so when I saw all the different avenues of hemp, I looked at it as like, man, this is going to bring back that million dollar farmer because now, you know, you can grow for fiber, you can grow for the cannabinoids, you can grow for seeds, you can grow for food. Now they're opening up the hemp Crete realm and, Oh God, now you can do, you know, graphene or, you know, they're looking at hemp graphene and, you know, it's going to, you know, take over plastics and it's, wow. you know, they're, they're building homes out of it. Now we're going to start to see them doing uh, paving roads um, because it doesn't, uh, it doesn't expand and contract. So like say in Colorado, you know, they're repaving roads every single year because it's hot one day, it's cold one day. And that, that expanding and contracting is what's caused those potholes. Well, hempcrete doesn't do that. And so it's like, how much money can, can, can cities and counties and, 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 and everybody save, you know, just on that one little profit or that one little um, channel wow. of what the hemp plant can do. And so once everybody really starts to understand what the plant can do and once the, the supply channels, distribution channels, and just the, that knowledge gap, uh, you know, starts to increase, you know, you're going to have so many different areas of farming. It's going to do good for corn. Right. It's going to do good for Milo and, and, and wheat and everything else because you're going to have less people growing for corn. They're going to come over here into the hemp space. There's going to be different ways to, to farm it. And, and what it's going to do is balance all that out because everything is so concentrated and it's a few areas of farming. It, it, it makes it hard to, again, have that key differentiator. And yeah. so, you know, I believe hemp, hemp, hemp is going to bring back the farmer and uh, really bring back uh, some of the grassroots you know, that started our country. Wow. That's fascinating. You hit on a whole bunch of points that, that I had no idea uh, hemp was even involved in. I mean, I've heard of, you know, uh, clothing and a few other things you mentioned, but uh, not pavement. Uh, it's crazy. Interesting. Built, I mean, they're building homes. They built cars. Like you can Google BMW, build a whole entire car basically out at, of at hemp. And, you know, the one, the, the project that, that I'll probably end my legacy on in the industry is, I want to be a part of, you know, helping rid, rid plastic. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, if you make a hemp water bottle, I think it decomposes in under 90 days. So it's like, no, not at all. Like <laughs> all this stuff can be fact checked. And so it's like, when, when you look at that, you know, it's like, why isn't, why aren't we doing that today? When our number one, uh, I think pollution problem, I think maybe not the number one, but water bottles. So I have, yeah. I have one here, you know, I'm, oh, part, yeah. of that pro- I'm part of that problem. And it's like, you know, the reason that this hasn't hit a national scale yet is because there are so many limitations. You know, if, if, if we use all the hemp grown all over the world, like China, Brazil, um, Czech Republic, UK, you know, um, you know, United States, Canada, all those places, and we combined, it's the waste, the sludge. You can make plastic. Um, and, and so what's happened right now is that, we, that these countries haven't been able to bring their supplies together because of, of laws and legality issues. So there hasn't been a, enough of a supply chain to be able to, to, to do something like, a, you know, take water bottles and this and that. 
um, and Legos, um, they're in their fourth or fifth year of a seven-year research um, deal to where all Legos are going to be made out of hemp composite because Legos wants to add a, a, a green circle around their business because what do people do with Legos? You play with them for a while, you keep them in the basement, then they go into some landfill. Yeah. They don't decompose. Where if it's made out of hemp composite, they're going to decompose. It's going to be good for the earth. Um, and we're going to see that change. Uh, it's going to take a while, but that's something I want to be a part of. And, and, and I feel we'll see in the next five to 10 years. Wow. That's fascinating. That's amazing. I had no idea. I'm, yeah. That's really, really neat. Um, so back to the um, pure spectrum, you have a few different product lines, but what would be, you know, the use case I'll, I'll say, or the, aside from an athlete, you know, there's other folks out there that, to benefit from it, you know, especially with, I would think, uh, they're growing. Our parents' generation probably is the boomers. Um, but maybe expand on, on some of the products and the use cases. Yeah. So, you know, we're in a, I, I'm going to give you a, a little longer answer, but I'll try to keep it really short. So <laughs> we're at an educate, we're at a 9% education factor, meaning 9% of the United States can tell you what CBD is and what it can do for you. We're in this big boom. But again, 91% of the people out there, if you ask them if they know what CBD is, they'd be like, uh, CBD, what? Like, they wouldn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so where the education uh, level is and where we're at on the, on the emphasis stage and the growth curve of it is, like, say, Charlotte's Web. They're, to me, they're the best. They've been doing this since 2009. They're the ones who started this industry. Um, you know, some people might say some, they don't like them, this, that, and the other. But the fact is they created the industry. But their niche is epilepsy, right? And so if you would take Pure Spectrum, Charlotte's Web, and we'll say Bluebird Botanicals, and you're standing in front of a crowd, um, some people might know what CBD is, some people might not. If you're like, all right, here's Charlotte's Web, a lot of people will be like, I don't want to take it because I don't have, I'm not, epi- I don't have epilepsy. Uh, right. I, I ride a bike on the weekend, I'm going to take Pure Spectrum. Well, really, it's all the same. Right. It, it, you know, it, it, if you're doing Charlotte's Web does it, does their product, right? Bluebird, they, they put out a great product. We actually supplied them. Um, and, and then, you know, us, we put out a great product. So as long as you put out a great product and the quality control metrics are in place, you're going to see you're going to see benefits from the product. Right. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's, it's all a brand game. It's all a marketing game. So what we did for Pure Spectrum is we didn't want everybody to think that this product was strictly for athletes. That is our trajectory. Um, the reason we, you know, we picked that so I'm a former athlete. I know how to speak to them, but when nobody knows what's good and what's not good, and you're having a, a major athlete put their brand of validity on it saying, Hey, this is my stamp of approval. What happens? It starts turning the minds of people, right? They're like, Oh, right. this person's taking it. I'm going to take it. So obviously that, that's, that was one of our main reasons of going that way. But we started seeing like baby boomers, which is the biggest, you know, uh, purchasing demographic in the entire United States. And, you know, they weren't buying our products. They didn't feel that like they're an athlete. So we made 1850. Um, 1850 was the year that the uh, United States pharmacopoeia allowed cannabis products to be sold and distributed through uh, pharmacies and, um, you know, pain clinics during that time. And so uh, we made the 1850 look a little bit old. Um, you know, it's a lentiment uh, cream instead of a pain cream. It's a it's an elixir instead of a tincture. And what we're doing is we're just talking to that audience. Sure. And then what we did as a differentiator is we formulated with hemp oil and CBD um, and um, as a carrier, hemp oil as a carrier, 
and you get it helps with digestion. It helps with things that baby boomers are going to be experiencing. Where Pure Spectrum products, we use MCT oil, an organic MCT oil, and it has other benefits with it with the CBD. Um, so that's, that's why we have those those products. And then so our Pure Spectrum is our is our what I call our core nucleus. That's for everybody. 1850. We're trying to capture the demographic of the baby boomers, and then our black label. Um, is, you know that's our more potent product, um, and you know that's for individuals who are you know mainly athletes, but also people that that, that suffer from um, you know maybe arthritis or um, they just got out of surgery and they you know they need a higher potent product. That's what that's for. Uh, and then we have Endopet, um, which is a pet line. So in 2016, 2017, when we came up with Endopet, you know, what most people were doing in the industry was taking their, you know, their, maybe their 500 milligram tincture and a 30 ml and, and putting a pet label on it and, and giving that to pets. Well, pets are a lot different in weight, you know, right. so some pets are zero to 15 pounds, 15 to 30 pounds, 30 to 60 and on up. And so what we did is, again, we went to the University of Colorado uh, we started understanding dosage, like what is a true therapeutic dose based on weight metrics. Yeah. Um, and, and instead of just slapping a, a pet label on our product that we're selling to you know everybody else, we actually formulated it correctly based on weight um, for small, medium, and large breed dogs um, to actually put a why behind that formulation. And so I'll never do what we did again because it's harder. So every one of these companies I'm saying, they're, they're their own individual company. It's kind of like a Procter and Gamble. Yeah, uh, Pure, Pure Spectrum is a parent company. Black Label is just a another company underneath Pure Spectrum, but it's just a brand. But each one of those are specific because we're talking to different demographics and different audiences. Versus, again, going back to 2016, 2017, everybody had the Walmart approach. You know, it's like, oh, what's yeah. the next bad product that's selling? And then you see a company that has products from A to Z. It's just like if I go to a restaurant and they have food from A to Z, I know that's probably not quality. It's, it's okay food. If it's bar food, great, I'll, I'll do it. But you know, if I'm going for pasta, I'm, I'm going to go to a restaurant that, that focuses specifically on a menu that, that, that's Italian. Yeah. Um, and it's going to suit that need. And that's what we wanted to do is we wanted to be specific and, and, and have a niche, a, a niche trajectory, a trajectory within, within each brand that we were choosing to put out. Got it. Yeah, no, it makes sense. No, I, I will say as somebody grew up in a marketing background, I really appreciate that 1850 branding. It's a really cool, clean brand. I, I liked it a lot. Um, and it makes sense from just like you said, a lot of the mixtures are similar, but maybe some minor tweaks based on the demographic, but ultimately it's the same foundational quality right. ingredients to uh, help that particular niche. So you were kind of talking about dosage on relative to the dogs. Do you, like, how does one discern that? Is it based for same with people weight based or is that something you can even speak to? Yeah. And, and this is different. So I, it, my answer has changed over the years because of education, right. And, uh, and just how information has, has become prevalent. So the short answer is this is uh dr or um dr alan shackelford and uh god what's his name dr um rafael mishulam um i've had the opportunity to be in the same room with those individuals uh rafael mishulam was the doctor that found the endocannabinoid system uh dr alan shackelford was the doctor that handled the dosage protocol and the overall guidance um with, with charlotte fig 
um, who was the the girl that Charlotte's Web you know blew blew their company up with, uh, and so Israel has been doing um, dosage <coughs> data and uh, research for almost forty six years, forty seven years. So they have a pretty good idea um, on what do- what a true dose is, right? So the answer in twenty fifteen would have been this. So when we ingest CBD or any cannabinoid, there's a metabolic breakdown, right? So you're depending on, uh, you know, what you have in your system, where your digestive levels are at, you know, right. It can range anywhere from 30 to 40. Yeah. This is 30 to 40% of what you intake is going to be, uh, not, it's not going to pass past your liver and it's not going to get into your system. So you're getting 60 to 70% of what you ingest actually into your system but it's good to have cannabinoid breakdown in your liver because it's actually cleansing your liver, right? So what they agreed on or what they found in Israel is anything from 12 to 15 milligrams after your metabolic breakdown um, is what's considered a true dose um, or a true therapeutic dose. Well, fast forward time to today is there is research, uh, overwhelming amount of research that's supporting um, that you can have an endocannabinoid deficiency just like we can have a vitamin D deficiency or vitamin C deficiency or, you know, our body, our regulatory system can, can have a deficiency anywhere. Right, so right. what they're finding now is some individuals uh, can have a complete, um, have basically nothing registering on their, on, on their, on their endocannabinoid production, which is, uh, you know, producing cannabinoids within our own body. And so if you're at that level, obviously, you know, a, a 10, 12, 15 milligram dose might not be what you need. You might need 30, 60, 90. There are some cases where people are taking up to, you know, two to 500 milligrams a day, which sounds crazy to me. Like I would actually feel that I'd be uncomfortable taking that much. Yeah. Um, but some people, that's where they see the results. And so um, if that is a true case, <clears throat> then, then the dosage thing to me goes out the window because every single is different. Um, and, and if you really want to back that up, um, you know, we've had a cannabinoid deficiency as a society when we eradicated hemp. Um, and I think 1941 was the last year hemp was grown. But what we used to do is we used to feed that to all of our livestock, you know, so pigs were getting hemp, or, you know, horses were getting So it was all in our food. And once they take that away, now we don't get that in our milk, our, our dairy products, you know, uh, you know, just regular other hemp products that are out there. Now, now our, our bodies aren't getting a natural source um, and, and you have to supplement. And so that's how I view CBD today is a supplement. You know, it's not a, it's not a cure-all. I look at it just like vitamin C. It's something yeah. that we all should be taking and, and it's different for everybody. Yeah, it helps bolster the overall immune mm-hmm. system and, and inflammation, right? I mean, it, it is an anti-inflammatory ultimately. Yeah, so patent 6630507 by our U.S. government. Uh, six six three zero five zero seven. Our government has a patent uh, since I think uh, September of nineteen ninety two, where they label it as uh, one of the most high performing antioxidants um, uh, out in the medical realm. It's an uh, anti inflammatory and a neuroprotectant. Uh, so when you really start diving down uh, and read that patent, you'll first you'll be blown away, and second you'll be pissed off. Um, because it's, you know, when, when you really read, it, it's like, they've known this since 1992 that, you know, dementia, we shouldn't have to deal with dementia. We shouldn't have to deal with Alzheimer's. It, it's been a proven. Uh, so if you have a high estrogen, you know, it's an anti-estrogen killer. So if you have an uh, estrogen based cancer, 
you know, high dosage of CBD, which I've seen it over and over again, completely destroy cancer. They have research studies that, that show this and demonstrate it from our government. Um, and I think our government today has close to 60 some different patents on the uses of other cannabinoids for therapeutic and true medicinal benefits. Um, it, 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 that, that's what really started to open my eyes. And when, when I read that, and then when you go out and you see what you would call medical miracles, it's like, okay, um, you know, now I have a social responsibility to continue to do this correct and expand the minds because we've all been fed a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Wow. I had no, I'm going to look in. what would be, you know, maybe one other thing that folks might know, you mentioned education, right? Only 9% education. Mm-hmm. You know, what is one place that, or where should somebody go to learn about it? You know, honestly, it's like what I did to start our, our company, because again, when I first started this, I was looked at as a, as a used car salesman selling snake oil, right? <laughs> because it's like, we, what's crazy is uh, 13, this actual number, 13% of universities actually teach the endocannabinoid system. Our endocannabinoid system is our complete regulatory functionality that functions our whole damn system. Um, my brother's best friend, uh, he's done brain surgeries. He's done heart surgeries. When I asked him about the endocannabinoid system, he laughed at me. Yeah, he was like, dude, you've been drinking the Kool-Aid too long. And this was in 2014. And I asked him, I said, Hey, can you do me a favor? Will you please just look it up and let me know what you think about it? I get a Facebook message. He's like, dude, I'm eating crow right now. He was like, we've always been taught that this was a part of our central nervous system. Uh, and another system, I can't remember what it was. Um, so once he told me, he's like, Brady, you're onto something and your industry is going to blow up because we weren't even taught this shit. And coming from a doctor, when you asked me the very first time, I looked at you and laughed because I know everything that's in the body. Yeah. Right. So getting people to understand, we all went through health class. We all, we all, we all went through, through school and we all think we're, you know, most of us are all pretty much educated and yeah. you're telling me that I have something in my body that I don't know about. Yeah. Right. So what I did in the very beginning, instead of trying to sell something, you know, at that time, a, a 500 milligram tincture was almost 200 bucks. So I made, I made uh, 1,500 tincture bottles, uh, which was a lot of money then uh, because the price of CBD was so high. I went and gave them all away. And what I did is like, I'm going to give you this. It's a $200 value. I'm going to ask you to do one thing. is go research your endocannabinoid system and come back and ask me a question. I had a 70% retention rate um, on, on individuals that came back and purchased. And it's, it's kind of like, my family, like I come from a very religious family. They don't like what I do. They think I'm a legal drug dealer. They definitely think cannabis is the devil's lettuce. Um, and no matter how much research I put in front of their face, they're not going to listen to it because it's coming from me. Yeah. But if my mom would go to you know the Department of Health, she would go to the government's website and see that in 6,500 years of reporting, nobody's ever died from cannabis. Um, it's actually in our Bible. It's talked about in Con- you know Connie Bosom. It's the holy... Um, uh, ointment oil that, that they speak about in the Bible. Um, if they read that on their own time without me pushing it down their face, now they're, they're, they had that ability to overcome that programming and say, yeah. okay, hey, I am going to question this. And that's what people did. Um, they're like, you know what? I would have never believed, you know, believed it. Not that they don't believe me or trust me. They, it was just so far fetched they didn't know about it. But in their own time, they were able to overcome those hurdles. And, and, and most of them, most of them still use it today. So with that being said, that's my question. That's how I present it to anybody. If they don't know about it, I usually give it away. I give away 
I don't even know, like my, my finance guy hates it, but I give probably five to $10,000 in retail product away a month because I know it's going to come back. Right. It's like, if I can put this in your hands and just say, hey, go Google the endocannabinoid system. And then if you have any questions, come talk to me. Yeah. And if the product sucks, tell me it sucks. If it helps you, you know, how did it help? And, and, and to me, that's the way to truly educate somebody is show them where the water's at and then let them figure out how to drink it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're planting seeds, right? And especially if it's estimated 9%, that, that's a 91% of us don't know what we're talking about. So, um, you know, in the CrossFit realm and, and, you know, and, and what was, what was a little easier with the, with the USA triathlon and weightlifting is all those audiences are the same. The demographics are the same, right? They, they, they're very well educated. Um, they have a very, uh, they're six figure plus, uh, for household income. And, you know, they spend their money on recovery. They spend their money on performance. And when we first went to the CrossFit games, those are very intelligent people. Almost all, a, a high percentage of, of CrossFitters, almost all of them have a bachelor degree. A lot of them have master's degrees. And when we were telling them about the endocannabinoid system, you should have seen how many FU faces and like, yeah, right. Like walk away. And so we had these printouts and we were there like at the regionals, you know, it's like a two to three day event at each one. Day one was everybody's laughing and like, who the fuck are these guys? You know, language. Day two and day three, they're coming back and buying the product. Um, and, and so it's, it's, a, it's a slow sell cycle. Um, but it's also like um, the music in an elevator. If I'm setting you, you hear the music in the elevator, but you couldn't, you couldn't tell who, who it is, what it is. You just know it's a violin or something playing in the background. Yeah. And if you really push education down people's throat, that's what it's like. It's like the music in the elevator. Um, so it, it, it's really been a uh, Rubik's cube on how to properly educate without trying to tell people um, that are, that we've been lied to for all these years. Cause immediately most people's programming comes up and they're like, you know, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Stop. I'm done. I'm done listening yeah. to you. So, well, yeah, it, it is, it is, but it, it, you know, it's the trust, but verify method um, mm-hmm. to really understand the why behind things. And, and so many things are surface level nowadays that, um, we don't even get to the first level and we assume, um, you know, what we've been educated with is accurate. Uh, right. not to blame any system or anything like that, but right. you know, there's certain limitations like anything and you walk in with preconceived notions. Exactly. You know, and I used to be the same thing. You know, I, uh, I, I, have, a, I have a form of tick syndrome. It's, it's form of Tourette syndrome. Uh, so if I see me shaking my head, I'm not telling you no, or I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh, and I used to be totally against cannabis. Like, uh, I, you know, I'd go home and tell my mom in high school, hey, these guys are trying to get me to smoke cannabis. And she'd call her parents and like saying people are mad at me. And when I went and played college basketball, uh, you know, that was the first time I, I smoked cannabis. And my roommate's like, dude, you're not over there shaking your head. They used to make fun of me and be like, are you listening to some heavy metal music over there? You're just, you're over here just twitching. And during yeah. that time, and I didn't notice this, so I went out and tried it again. Uh, and, 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 and so to me, just like you said, you know, trust, you know, you have to verify before you trust. And that opened my eyes uh, at that point in time that it wasn't a drug, that how could this make me feel this way? How could it take away a, a social disorder to me that I've had since I was in second grade and, and I'm not doing it anymore. And now I can get that same benefit. I still do it. I still ha- I have it a little bit. It doesn't take it a hundred percent away, but the pharmaceuticals and the medicine and the things that they were going to put me on. No way. I wasn't going to do that. Uh, so again, it's, again, it's, it's trust. You have to verify before you're going to really believe what it can do. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of touch on, you know, some of the other products that we've been used to for so long, 
in the pharmaceutical industry is they're, they're, they can work. They certainly have their place. Right. But there's also known side effects with a lot of those because of the chemical engineering and a variety of other things. But, you know, as I'm learning with CBD, you've had conversations with others around the organic and, you know, non-GMO, you mentioned GMO and your, your grandfather's experience, but other herbal remedies that um, can certainly help towards that. Absolutely. In a, in a more healthful way. Yep. Well, Brady, I am, I'm super grateful for your time, uh, education on this. Um, I've been intrigued for close to two years and um, really looking forward to learning more about this and, and where this industry goes. Um, and, and before I close out though, I'd like to ask folks a couple questions uh, on a personal front. So what are you reading right now? What do I read right now? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I, I do. My reading is a little bit different. Um, I, I, I study a person every week um, and I, I, I listen to their podcasts. I listen to interviews. Um, so, so Elon Musk uh, was my most recent one. I, I've studied him several times. Um, but I, I study a wide array of high-performing individuals from, you know, the Joe Rogans to Michael Jordans to Tiger Woods to Eli uh, or Peyton Manning, um, you know, all the way through, you know, again, your Steve Jobs, your, um, your Bill Gates, um, your Elon Musk, people that have been uh, innovators and disruptors, uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, that's where I truly get my reading from. Um, but I probably put in a minimum of two to three hours a day on that, that alone, just seeing what other people have done, how they've scaled things, um, you know, how they hold themselves, how they carry themselves. And then, and then also I, I read constantly on, on, on the hemp industry. Um, you know, I, I, I read, I, I, I've studied the past, um, you know, prohibition uh, from alcohol. I, I've, I would almost consider myself an expert on how, the prohibition evolved, um, how, how it became a business, why it became a business, how the mob used to control it, how people overcame the mob and how it became a true business. And I see it doing the same thing on the, on the cannabis realm. So when I was on the cannabis side, I was in the cannabis realm from, from 2010 to uh, the end of 2013, Well, the hemp industries evolved the same way. And so I, I spent a lot of time understanding the trajectory, the dynamics, the evolution uh, and the similarities of all three, because most people that get into the hemp space, they're only looking at it from uh, where how hemp is currently evolving, right? Well, right. it's evolved same way as, as THC. And at the end of the day, it's just another cannabinoid, another quote-unquote molecule within a plant, and, and that trajectory is going to be the same. So outside of that, uh, I don't really uh, read a whole, whole lot of books um, because I get my education from, from other pioneers. Nice. You know, it's also, it made me think of I, a conversation with another guest and we were talking about uh, time travelers and really he was talking about is those folks that are out there ahead of us that have kind of paved the path and kind of replicate what they're doing, whether it's how they lead, like the, the folks you mentioned, or even industries or how certain historical events unfolded and uh, kind of the human behavior behind it and can help kind of set the tone and forecast what you might run into. Exactly. And, you know, probably, probably the person I've studied the most is Dana White. I know it's kind of weird, but like I, I would honestly, uh, in the very beginning days, 
of the UFC. I would, I would buy UFC tickets. Obviously, I'm there to watch the fights. But I would sit as close as I could, as much as I could afford, you know, and all these different levels of life. And, and I would just watch Dan White. I would just study him. I tried to fill his energy. I tried to understand him because he did. He came in and took took a the fight game for it was illegal in all fifty states. It couldn't even be on pay per view. And he's taken it to one of the biggest sports, you know, in the world today. Yeah. And it's like that was fascinating to me. And you know, all of the the hate he had to go through, and like we're doing today, you know. And my own family hadn't talked to me and you have to go change the minds of the masses. You know, it's like I had to see it be done or I wouldn't be in a position of uh, to be able to carry the weight, to be able to carry the hate, the negativity. And then all of a sudden, you know, four or five years later, after you go through all that hell, people are like, oh, you had a really good idea. You know, it's, yeah. that's awesome. You thought that. Well, it wasn't awesome for, <laughs> for four years. But seeing again, being able to see somebody go through that, it's the only reason I had the wherewithal to do it myself. Great. So the other one is, which kind of answered is, uh, what music or podcasts do you listen to? You know, uh, music, I'm, I, I'll listen to anything from, from Justin Bieber all the way up to Drake <laughs> and Eminem and, and, and everything in between, except for heavy metal and country. I don't listen to either one of those, um, uh, podcasts. I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, uh, religiously. I listen to Brendan Shop, the fighter and the kid, uh, podcast religiously, uh, my daughter, actually, I'm going to tell myself on this one. Uh, she turned me on to Logan Paul and I actually, I, I, I really didn't like that kid at all when I first started, uh, yeah. just watching him from, from, you know, just as was or as is. And, uh, the impulsive podcast, honestly, I probably watched that more, um, than, than, than some of the podcasts I have in the past, but those, those are my top three, top four podcasts I listen to. Okay. Um, okay. All the time, religiously. And uh, finally, what's your go-to rest and recovery method? Rest and recovery uh, is, is, you know, CBD and, and cannabis at the end of the day. You know, uh, I, I work out constantly. Um, when I get done working out on hard days, um, you know, CBD is always in my regimen and, and, and cannabis is part of that recovery. But I also, you know, I, 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 I eat pretty well. There's some days, obviously, I cheat and, Sometimes I do drink Coca-Cola. I'm not going to act like I'm perfect. Um, you know, but to me, it's a lifestyle. Um, yeah. and, and making sure that your proper, you have the proper nutrition, your BCAAs, um, you know, make sure my amino acids are in check. Uh, but outside of that, I, I primarily stick to cannabinoid recovery. Awesome. Uh, Brady, again, thanks for the time and uh, appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. If I can ever be any assistance, let me know. Thank you for listening to this episode. Lots of great practical tips covered here today. And if you know someone who could get some value out of this episode, please share. Be super grateful. Uh, We're all about 
being well and improving our, our life. And so if someone can get value out of this, please remember to uh, subscribe, review, and share. Again, grateful for you. Remember, be rested, be well.